count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of... Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. You have found Daniel Donato's Lost Highway. That lost highway. Yes. Howdy, y'all. We are here. Episode 43 of the Lost Highway Podcast. I am Daniel Donato, and this is the podcast of all things cosmic country. How are y'all feeling today? Something I've been thinking a lot about is uh, my little my little sister, Naomi. She's 10 years old, and she is teaching me something that I think I was forgetting. And uh, she's just starting to play piano. And I was around 12 years old when I started guitar. And she's 10 and she's starting to play piano. And I watch her play. And she learns these videos off TikTok and YouTube. And she plays with just her right hand most of the time. But then her left hand she sometimes incorporates. But I watch her eyes when she plays and shows me, shows me these melodies that she's learning. And she just loves it. And she's discovering it. And the thing is that she's discovering externally the piano. But then she's also discovering herself. Right? She's discovering her connection to a muse of inspiration. And that is a timeless, beautiful source. And I think the lack of expectations that she has for herself, the lack of expectations that she has for her gear or her identity, how people perceive her, or her success in the field is actually allowing her to have a more uh, true and honest relationship with the muse. And I feel the joy when she's playing. And I'm starting to feel cliche saying these things, but I think it's very true where it's try to create and exist in a place with what you do and love from, from that initial source of love and um, meaning and lack of expectation. Now, if you want to have a career in something and you want to create something that is, uh, that is worth a value to a demographic of people, you know, you got to have fulfill some expectations, but you don't need to have expectation overload to where you start um, compromising your identity to fit into something that isn't truthful to you, therefore inherently lowering your success ceiling and also the amount of time that you can be achieving said success. So staying working hard, implying self-pressure while working hard at something you love, that is our job. As humans, I think in some way, I think life has enough struggle that is strategically set up for us to acknowledge and grow from that we don't need to create any struggle. Like that's where things start getting hard and stressful and overwhelmed. And, you know, that's just when it starts not getting fun. And when it's not fun, then it's not going to last. So that's what my 10 year old sister is teaching me this week. So I appreciate y'all for listening. Stay patient, stay persistent, stay positive, stay cosmic. My next guest today is Mr. Robert Henry. He's living out West. He's a phenomenal country musician. And the way that we met was I was playing at Robert's Western World, which is my second favorite venue in the world, aside from the Ramen Auditorium. But it's my most played venue in the world as I've played over 500 shows there. I've been playing there since I was 16. Um, Robert was there with his girlfriend on a Wednesday afternoon watching us play. And there was no one in the bar. It was just them. And they stayed for three hours to watch us. Uh, they bought a new vinyl from the recent Cosmic Country album release. And then his girlfriend hit me up on Instagram a few days later being like, would you check out Robert's music? I think you would dig it. And if you'd be interested, would you have him on the podcast? So I check out his music and I fall in love with it. He just put out a new EP. It's really well thought out. Very honest, traditional, Western, 
American artistry. And it just touches my soul. We hadn't met before we uh, this podcast, but 30 seconds, really. So what y'all are experiencing here are two dudes on their journey, finding their way through the music industry, writing songs, picking telecasters, and loving country music. Hope y'all enjoy this podcast with Mr. Robert Henry. Robert Henry, what's going on? Not much. I'm glad we got that sound figured out. Yes, my friend. Really, it's, it's a real thing. It's, it's odd how the end of the year turns into a very busy time because it's the last thing you're expecting. But then all of a sudden, those last two, three weeks of the year, it's all the, the phone calls that you should have had in November. You have to have them now and the days yep. you're busy. So. Yep. Man, I'm very uh, excited for this podcast for a couple of reasons. Um, well, we met when I was at Robert's. I was playing down there. and I, Was that you and your girlfriend? Uh, yeah. Yep. Okay. So you guys came and watched <laughs> this play and there was, there was literally no one there. It was pretty much you guys wearing these badass Wrangler and like Lee denim jackets, just hanging out with us for a couple hours. And um, I think she hit me up to say that you wanted, or I should invite you onto the podcast. I'm not exactly sure, but I love that. I love the fact that um, I don't really know you as a person, but I love your music. And I love the fact that we met down at Robert's Western World. I mean, that's just a kind of a cool story. And most people that I meet there that seem to have a genuine thing about them, it leads to a nice thing. And so to be able to talk to you for the first time in a conversation, like as opposed to just having coffee with you where no one else hears this, we can share mm -hmm. it with the world. And I bet we have a whole lot in common and, and all that. So fill me in on what's going on uh, in your world as of late. And, and where are you presently? Uh, I'm about uh, 20 miles south of Portland, Oregon, a little town called Aurora. Um, I love Aurora. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, have you been there? Have you been out west? Yes, indeed. Yeah, I oh, went sweet. out west when I was playing in the band called uh, The Wild Feathers. They were this uh, band signed okay. by Warner Brothers, and um, they had just released their second record, and their guitar player was like, I think, in and out of rehab at the time. And so they needed a guy who was going to be like in the band. And so they tried mm -hmm. me out and it was like my first road gig I ever had. And we went out West to, uh, um, all over the place. So, you know, we played, uh, where we played in Seattle. I think we played the tractor tavern or is that, oh, I love that place. is that in oh, Portland yeah. or Seattle? That's that's Seattle. Yeah. Okay. I forget where we played in Portland then. Um, but we did, and, and we just took that drive, and my mm -hmm. God, we were coming all the way up from Southern California and Northern California up to your way, and man, it was an unbelievable couple days. Um, we were in a thing called a bandwagon, which is kind of like a bus, but not really. Um, mm -hmm. It's like a cheaper version of a bus, so it's like you would take all the place where you live on inside, and you just... Yeah. Uh, create that into a trailer that's hitched onto just a removable uh, truck bed. And it's wild, man. It was a crazy, I, I drove that thing. I was like, just turned 21 at the time. It was a wild <laughs> time in my life. It was fun though. I was a huge fan of that band too. Like when I was growing up, like in high school, just discovering Americana and country music. Um, mm -hmm. I grew up in a town called Spring Hill, which is like an hour South of Nashville. And I didn't really know until I was 14 that like uh, that I liked country music and that where country music was made and mm -hmm. just how, how deep and complex the, the roots of, uh, of the tree run. And um, I discovered that band, man. I was just like, my God, if I could ever play in any band, it'd be that band. And then a couple of years later, well, I got the gig. So there you go. There you go. Hard work pays off, man. Um, it does. Yeah. So it does. Sometimes it's cool to see that. 
Yeah. Yeah. How, you're yeah. in Aurora. What, what's going on in Aurora? Uh, nothing. Yeah. Um, the neighbor's cows are all still alive. Come uh, on, that's it. Chickens are running around in circles like they always do. So everything's normal here. Portland can get a little sketchy sometimes, but it's a fun city. Yeah, Portland's in um, pandemonium presently. Yeah. Well, I mean, nothing compared to D.C. right now, right? That's absolute pandemonium. Yeah, there's a whole thing. Uh, yeah, it's wild. I couldn't believe yesterday. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot to um, not believe about what you're being forced to believe. And it's, yeah. my gosh, this is a very intense time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, lots to write about, though. Um, so you I write actually, songs? Do you tour? Do you, do you tour as well uh, across the country or, or locally in your region? Uh, we've we've been kind of in our region. We do like the Oregon, Washington, California, and then like kind of go into the inner west, like go Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, South Dakota, North Dakota, that whole whole area. Um, this uh, February next month, actually starting on February fifth, we're going to be down in Texas, uh, pretty much all of that month. Um, so that'll be my first time actually doing shows down there. And then, uh, I'm actually going to be in Nashville in like 10 days, going to do a couple songwriters rounds and, and, you know, do that whole game. And, um, but yeah, I, I write songs too. And we actually just put out a EP, uh, it's called in the works. I don't know if you got a chance to listen to the whole thing, but, uh, basically the whole premise of it was, you know, especially not being in a place like Nashville where, there's studios everywhere. Um, everything really shut down out West here um, because California's numbers were really bad uh, when the pandemic first hit. And then the governors of Oregon and Washington just kind of made a pact with Newsom and said, whatever you guys do, we're going to do. So everything was pretty much locked down and we were trying to get our record done and put a full album out. Mm. And um, I kept telling people at, you know, these shows it's, it's in the works, it's in the works, it's in the works. Uh, and I finally said it enough times that I wrote a song about it. And it's basically just, it's the title cut is the first track on there. If you look up Robert Henry on Spotify or whatever, uh, streaming Let's platform. Go. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, it's just basically about being a traveling country singer in a pandemic and, and being pissed off about it. So, and I, I took kind of a political angle too. And just like, it was like, you know, kind of like a come together, like we don't have to be at each other's throats. So. Yeah, man. Something I was thinking about, uh, yesterday, um, first and foremost, very cool, very cool concept behind that. Um, my favorite songs are the ones that are just direct articles from the writers' lives, man. Like Tom T. Hall, that yep. is his thing. It's like you would have to have been him to have written that song. Um, I guess it must be that way with any piece of art, but like really, really much so. And man, I love the um, the music that I've heard from your work on your Spotify page. Uh, very, yeah, very much so. I like how I you're... Um, I really love how you're just sticking to a sound too. Like um, I always find myself getting very, um, very much and I won't let myself stick to like a parameters of like tried and true tones and instrumentation and song arrangement very mm -hmm. much. So, and the thing that I love about your music and other people like Tom T halls and a lot of country music is, uh, is that you kind of already know the song before you know the song. Like you can listen to a Jerry Jeff Walker, um, record and it's not going to have too much of a different approach to the craft of writing than what a Billy Joe Shaver record or mm -hmm. like a Coulter Wall record or like a Tyler mm -hmm. Childers record. 
And I love that because that allows for the identity and the story of that song to be actually the main factor, let alone something that might be a a really hooky arrangement concept, uh, i.e. something like Day in the Life by the Beatles, right? Where it's like two dimensions in one song. Um, Man, your songs are, are real like that. And it's also the concept too of nostalgia, man. So it's like, if you experience nostalgia for old music, then like, that doesn't mean those old things are dead because you're enjoying them. And so it's like, it's not like songs die when like the artist dies. And so it's like that old style of music and that traditional way of doing it. um, It still really works and it's really effective and it's beautiful. It's funny. It's like, if it just worked then it kind of works now. And is that, is that something you're trying to think about when you're going to write a record? Um, are you trying to stay within a confine and, and a concept, but in a way that is ultimately freeing? You're, um, you're kind of reading my mind, man. Uh, I'd love to sit down and have a beer sometime. Uh, <laughs> but uh, this is this yeah, will have no, to do for now, won't it? <laughs> yeah, right. Um, right. Yeah, it really depends on what I'm doing because yeah. you know I, I've I've recorded stuff. You know how it is. Like when you're first starting out, you're the, everybody's got that one tape in their closet that's never been freaking released. It's like you're totally embarrassed. But I've done, I've done stuff in the past where it's like you go in with a concept, and then I've got done stuff in the past where you just kind of go in with the band, and you're paying for your studio time that day, and you're young, and you're just like, we don't know what we're gonna do, but we're gonna write it in the studio. So oh, dude, I I've, still pay for studio time with with my yeah, guys and just go in. Yeah, that's that's such a fun. Especially, you know, from a business sense, like if you can own as much as you can and have as much equity in everything you do, then that's a really smart way to go about doing things. And it's funny how like the the model now is pushing people to that. But like all along, we were kind of making fun of the guys or like for me, like I would get a call from somebody who's like funding their own record. And I'd be like instantly, oh, this can't be as good. Like if I'm being a session guitarist on their album, you know, if they're not going through the union and they're not, you're not getting paid directly from somebody's you know, business management. And you have to send them an invoice to their LLC, et cetera. It's like yeah. that shit wasn't as on the level at, as it needs to be, but it turns out it's not, not the truth at all. So kudos to you, man, for, for being independent yeah. and going out there and making it happen. I've, I've always been really big on like, you know, it's, it's the old, uh, still Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson attitude. Like I want my record to sound like my lab band. So why would I hire out, you know? Oh, Wow. Did Waylon and Willie say that? Well, I mean, that was their attitude. That was, I mean, right? Waylon wanted, Waylon wanted to record with, uh, you know, he wanted to have Moon on, on the records. He wanted, he wanted that same, same sound. He Man. wanted that thumping bass. Play it, Moon. That is the thing. Yeah. 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 And I like the way that my steel player plays, so I want him on my record because I don't want people to go to a show having heard my music and then have some completely different. I want to be able to recreate the experience for him. Yes, sir, brother. Yeah, it's like, uh, what, I mean, is it a really Willie Nelson recording if Mickey Raphael's not accompanying you in all those areas where Willie takes a breath? It's like, that is the thing, sir. It's yeah. totally, what that must be is like to think on that detail too, even though it might seem fairly obvious, you, a lot of people don't think that. And I, it's very crazy because I always kind of have. I, that even when I was, you know, tracking a lot on people's records and never even thinking about writing my own songs and just like mm-hmm. learning how to play with other players, I would never have thought, like, I actually, like, so if we're in a room full of players and it's a 10 a.m. session and you play from 10 to 2 and you show yeah. up and it's 
you know, the keyboard player you saw maybe three months ago at a jam and then the drummer, you've never met him before. So you have to get to know how his dynamics are and where he goes. And you guys are playing on a song that you've really never heard before and you just were given the chart. And yeah. there's a kind of anonymity to it that creates a certain sound. Like, and it's yeah. usually more of like a radio centered, like mass consumed sound, but it's like, there's a thing that's growing now where like Tyler Childers has his dudes play on his records and it's like Sturgill has his guys plays on his records and yep. so does Dave Cobb and uh, or rather Chris Stapleton. It's like, I think that's a thing that's growing now because that sound and that energy of familiarity, man, is it real? It really transcends and can create a moment. So that's cool yeah. that you have your, who's all in your band, like not name wise, but like, what do you have instrumentation wise? Oh, uh, I play uh, uh, rhythm and lead vocals, obviously. And then we've got uh, drums, bass, lead guitar, and pedal steel. Nice. Uh, do you let your pedal steel player like go to the moon and back? Uh, pretty much. I let him do what he wants. Yeah. He's, uh, he's in his 70s. It's hard to, it, outside of Nashville or Texas, it's, it's, it's hard to find steel players that are, you know, Closer to our age, but um, and I gotta connect you with this kid I've been following on Instagram. His name's Caleb Mello. Oh yeah, yeah, no, he's awesome. He's he awesome. Those, those, those crazy uh, haggard licks. Yeah, man. Yeah, which yeah. I think that's Ralph Mooney on a lot of those, or is it Norm Hamlet? I think it was it was Ralph Mooney on a lot of the early stuff with James um, Burton on the Capitol recordings, right? Like yeah, yeah. Uh, swinging like tonight the bottle was tonight, that was moon yes sir yeah. what a weird intro on that one like how long yeah. is that thing going to hang on that five how did that yeah. happen you know yeah. do you guys when you guys write and jam on songs is it a thing where you guys talk in numbers or do you talk the letters of the music uh i i talk in numbers because just of where my vocal range sits we end up changing the key of everything anyways oh wow uh, so it's, how do you it's go about finding easy. like so like when you write a song is that different? Is that key usually ending up in a different spot live? Um, no, because I'll just write my own songs in the key that I want to sing them in. But when we're doing like cover songs and stuff, oh, uh, sure. oh, you guys, do you covers. Know, like you were talking about tonight the bottle. Like when we when we were rehearsing tonight the bottle, and you know sometimes you'll have a guy in the band that's not necessarily familiar with classic country. Um, huh. Yeah. So real. you know he he wouldn't know that there's a really really long five. But yes, to answer short answers, yes, we use the number system. No need for short answers on podcasts, man. Yeah. <laughs> are, you know, it's it's a crazy thing. It's yeah. beautiful. Turns out we love uh, hearing people talk soul to soul. You know, it turns out that that's actually a really useful thing, and it makes sense because people have been doing it longer. They've been playing music, <laughs> so it's like yeah, yeah, very real. That's cool. That's very nice. So, so to get back to uh, the studio, <clears throat> you know, the session players versus playing with your own guys that you go on the road with. Um, I will say that uh, the first time I was in Nashville and recorded, I was, I figured out that I didn't want to do it that way, but I was freaking amazed the first time I saw the session players sit down, having heard my original song for the first time, they charted it out in like two minutes and then went in and cut it. And it was done in, in like less than an hour. Yeah. I, that was, I was so impressed by that. And then when I went back there again, like if it's like a separate project, if I'm doing like a cover song, like I just released, uh, I don't know if you saw it on my page, but I, I just released a, a cover of a, uh, George and Tammy song with, uh, Georgette, their daughter. 
um, just a little duet. And we did uh, Take Me, that first song that they ever recorded as a married couple. I don't know that song. Um, and it was just, I was reminded. I mean, we, we didn't even actually, because of COVID, uh, I met Georgette, but I didn't meet any of the, the tracking band. So I How'd heard you meet Georgette? What, what was the deal? Um, you that? It was just a, a connection that uh, my booking agent had. Um, uh, Miss Liz Gregory. Uh, she lives in Cookville, but has an office down near Music Row there. Um, and she's actually from my neck of the woods out in Woodburn, Oregon, just south of here. Um, but she's been in Nashville for 30 plus years. And uh, I guess used to know Tammy Wynette pretty well. Um, so she kind of had the... Co- the connection with uh, Georgette and Georgette was wanting to do duets. And uh, my agent said, Hey, here's this kid. So we just ended up doing it and it was awesome. Yeah. How old are you? I'm 28. Yeah. yeah. That's the thing. People like uh, our age don't think 28 is a kid, but in actuality, that is a kid, sir. That is a very I, young person. I still act like a kid. So, man, I was talking to my dad about that the other day. Uh, my, like I got way depressed for like most of December. And it, it was this thing where the year was ending. We weren't playing any shows. Didn't have like a New Year's gig booked. And there's usually for the last part of the year, there's a nice hurrah in the business. Yeah. There's dinner with the people that you're making music with all year. There's a dinner with your agent. There's, you know, there's a the New Year's show. Maybe there's a Christmas show, a residency. And it's like none of that. And it put me under for a couple of weeks. And my dad was like, man, you are not seeming joyous right now. Mm-hmm. And I was realizing like that might've been my thing. I was kind of feeling off kilter with a lot of music last year was I was, ta- I wasn't acting like um, I was like, be- I thought I was like acting like a kid with music again, wasn't the thing to do, but really like if you're playing music then you should play. Yeah. Like, like that's what children do. It's like, and to, mm-hmm. man, to, to do that is like, um, it's very easy, but it's also very easy to lose sight that that should be a priority. Is that like you're trying to have fun and 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 be joyous in what you're doing with music? Because if not, it can kind of kill the, it can kill the thing, and it won't be a captivating recording performance, anything like that. Yeah, you know those first couple months, like what was it like the second week of March when everything just kind of went to to shit? The thirteenth. Um, yeah, something like that. Yeah, it was the thirteenth. Um, but uh the friday i kind of i kind of went into a slump for like a good six weeks there where i was like because when you're playing all the time it's easy to be like oh i'm writing songs like we're getting ideas the band's tight as a frog's asshole we're like really locked in right and i was (laughs) like (laughs) that's great i was i was like uh like i was having so much fun playing all the time and it was just nothing and then, like I said, I went into a slump like that. And finally I was just like, okay, well, I've got all this time on my hands. Like might as well just keep doing what I was before and just lock myself in my room and get better at my craft. Right. Yes. So how'd that work for you? Uh, pretty well. Yeah. I, I think I got better. I hope so. Yeah. That's a weird thing too, is it music's not like, ath- like athletics where you can track it in a quantitative way. Like you have to, like you'll watch a YouTube video of you from like 2018. You're like, Oh no, I'm definitely better now. Like I'm definitely, mm-hmm. I'm definitely yeah. bolted my shell, but it's like, it's not the, it's not like, Oh, he scored 27 in March and now he's at 29 in April. It's like, okay, way different thing. 
That's cool. Yeah. What were you doing yeah. uh, when you have such a fucking good voice? Like you have such oh, a man. thing down, like really, yeah, man, R- very beautiful what you do. Um, what do you do to get better? Um, I actually try to sing um, out of my comfort zone a lot. Like I'll, I'll bring it up a half step or a full step or, you know, just sing completely different songs that I'm not even, even out of country music. Um, just to, you know, I, I'm always trying to expand my range. And then, um, as far as, uh, like musicianship, I, I mean, actually before the pandemic, I, I barely played any lead guitar and having that like eight or nine months now, that's like, I'm, you know, I haven't really been playing a lot. Uh, I've been playing a lot more lead. I used to just do an acoustic rhythm on a Taylor and now I almost exclusively play my telly and I'm like, it's, I'm like totally a telly guy now. The Telecaster is the guitar. There's something about it. It was, if you think of just how big of a deal guitar is, it hasn't been around very long. And that was man's first solid body electric guitar. And it was like, and women. And it was just like, man, that, that is the first time that the human species unlocked that dimension and man think of everything that's come through it and the telecaster mm-hmm. was the first it's very uh it's a wild thing it's like seeing them it's like seeing a model t you're like you can't think of everything that came from that design it's like oh my god change the world yeah. so yeah nice uh what kind of telly are you fucking with dude honestly i have no idea even um, better <laughs> even better i it's great I uh I can't find a serial number at all on it. Oh no! Uh, so it's a vintage one. It's like a refit. I'm thinking so. Um, Is it a Fender? It's a Fender. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, it doesn't have that stamp that says "Made in Mexico" on it either. So, um, I mean, it looks old. I my my old steel guitar player uh picked it up for me at a guitar show over in Southeast Portland. And it didn't come with any paperwork or anything. So, but then I plugged it in and I was like, oh, let's just see how this sounds clean, just straight in without any pedals. And then I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. Like it was like, it just had that, that Bakersfield, Don Rich, Roy Nichols thing. And I was like, and all I run is uh, like, I, my pedal board is like, people laugh at me. It's literally just a phaser that I barely ever use. And a compressor and my tuning pedal. That's it. So, like, we're talking about the two country sounds, phaser and compressor. Like, we're talking about the two country sounds of which half the time with the natural tone of that guitar, I don't even use the pedals. Like, that's how much I like how how that guitar sounds. Yeah. What kind of amp are you using? Uh, Fender Deluxe Hot Rod. Okay, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, I love that amp, man. It's like uh. There's nothing better to test the truth of a guitar than plugging it straight in clean. Like, yep. That is it. Fenders don't very much so. If you're a guy who's creating like stuff at home, though, like if you're plugging into like a like a like a UA interface and you're trying to like simulate a tone, it might be harder to work on a telly. But a telly's like for the live experience and recording with an amp with a band and, and doing that whole thing. Man, that guitar is going to do it all. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I actually didn't realize how good it sounded um, because I'm, I'm really not like a gearhead or anything or, or a, 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 what, what you'd call a tone chaser. Um, I'm, I'm definitely more on the songwriting side 
but uh, I didn't realize how good it sounded. I, I, I mainly switched over because I got so tired of playing, you know, three, four, five hour bar gigs on an acoustic and just tearing up my freaking fingers. How many of those bar gigs have you done? How many years worth? Ooh. <clears throat> uh, probably, probably getting close to 10 years now. Yeah. How, were you singing yeah. that whole time? Yeah. That's I, beautiful. I didn't start singing until, uh, excuse me, God. <clears throat> um, didn't start singing until I was like uh, 17 or 18. Hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, it was actually funny. Um, well, I'll get to that in a minute. But uh, I do have a funny story for you. Um, but yeah, uh, at first it was just playing by myself with the acoustic in the corner of a bar or whatever. And then, you know, turned into a three piece and then it turned into a five piece. And, you know, we ended up, uh, I had a band that was, that was going around quite a bit, the Pacific Northwest area. And, uh, we ended up winning the battle of the bands, um, up at Ponderosa lounge in uh, North Portland. It's an old honky tonk that's been there since like the sixties. Um, and so that's when, uh, my agent Liz, uh, got a hold of me and you know we've we've been doing pretty well ever since so how many shows you how many shows uh, are you playing oh man uh i'd have to do the math on that but wow, uh, yeah i mean in a non-covid year i don't know we're pro- probably doing like average of three shows a week oh and that's then great I love and then like in in the summer when we're out West here playing like fairs and the big rodeos and shit. Um, well, we'll have like multiple nights and then we'll go to casino and do like three, four nights. So sometimes you're playing like, you know, 18 days straight, 20 days straight. So. Are you doing long shifts when you're doing casinos? Is it those three, four hour ones? Yeah. Which Man. isn't really my favorite, but those you know, can it is be <laughs> those can be hard. That's what you were doing when I met you. Oh, down at Roberts. Yeah. yeah. Roberts, there's, a, there's something about that building that kind of transcends time in mm-hmm. a way. But yeah, there's been some long gigs down at that, at that venue, man. We used to play down there from Sundays, well, um, years ago from like 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. And in the winter, you're just talking about there is literally no one there. There are the three people there that are there working there. Mm-hmm. You know, Daniel, the cook and, and someone on staff for to serve drinks. And then usually a, a guy named Carl who used to work there. And Carl was so funny. Carl used to weigh like, Carl probably weighed maybe 350 pounds. I'm talking, Carl was a huge gentleman and he was very aware of it. And he was hugging people and he would, <laughs> he would be so affectionate to all the people coming into Roberts. He would hold up the line. People were coming to Robert just to get photos with Carl. He wore these big, big aviators that like came down past his fucking nostrils. And, <laughs> and this like, this like kind of like a Willie Nelson, like, um, like eighties hat. Like when, like the, um, like the back of Stardust where okay. it's like that weird, like, that weird, like Navajo beating and like just worn in leather hat. And he played yeah. pedal steel, man. He Carl would just chain smoke cigarettes. He'd get there at like 2 p.m. And then he'd be just going, because Robert sells cigarettes. Mm-hmm. He'd have three, four packs in a fucking night. Carl oh, was the wow. man. And uh, yeah, man, there's something special about Robert's. It's 
you know, it's cool to play there, but those three, four hour gigs, a lot of musicians that don't do that. It's hard to communicate what that does to you as a player, uh, as a singer, you know, just as someone who performs on stage, like that becomes a crucial part of your, of your identity in some way. Yeah, I, I would say so. Um, and even, even when we are doing, uh, you know, you know, we'll get an opening act for, for a bigger country act at a county fair. We'll be, you know, playing a couple nights at a rodeo. And those are usually easier gigs. But I always try and fill the off nights in. Like, I want to go and play in a bar. I want to yeah. do like a three-hour set, you know, take some requests. Screw it. Like, let's have some fun. Let's do something different from our normal set. Um, but it can be brutal. But uh, that's definitely like, that's my, my comfort zone. That's definitely where I came up. So, I mean, I'm still there. But so... I know that's the weird thing COVID did too. We, we canceled like a 10 day uh, run and um, we had several sold out shows. We can't on the 13th, we drove past pretty much the exit to our venue that was, would have been sold out there that night. Um, small venue, the, the evening news in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. You ever played there? No. You ever been in North Carolina picked out there at all? I have not been there for music. No, no, we haven't, we haven't done any of the South actually, which is, oh, that's crazy. Uh, yeah, we, that'll, that'll be this year. Okay. Yeah. Cause the South is open. We were like, yeah, yeah. yeah. And my, my whole family lives in uh, central Florida too. So we're definitely going to be down there. I'm thinking, Where in Florida. I was born in Florida. Oh, no shit. I was yeah. born in uh, winter park. Just, okay. Uh, I had a girlfriend who lived in winter there. park. Yeah. 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 New Orlando. Yeah, my brother actually uh, is the a I something. What is it? The I four eyesore. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. That's up near like uh, <laughs> over near uh, Altamont. Yeah. That, okay. That weird, weird looking building. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. I had a girlfriend. My first girlfriend. Her family lived down there, and uh, we'd go down there in December, and there'd be like iguanas and shit outside the airport. Be like, what? <laughs> what is this world I just stepped in? Because I don't know what country I'm in anymore. Where uh, where were you born? Bradenton, Florida. Okay, so that's over by like Tampa, right? I don't know. I don't even remember. Oh, okay. I'm just saying Bradenton because people say it to me. Okay, uh, they said I okay. was born there. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. <laughs> people tell me I was born there. Uh, Wayland, right? Yeah. Well, I think it was Three Dog Night and then Wayland. <laughs> How about uh? Okay, have you read uh? Have you read Wayland's book? I haven't. Oh my God, man. It is absolutely insane. That guy just talks in song. Yeah. Everything he says just sounds songy. And I, I listened to part of the book and I, I read part of the book over this break and um, looked into some interviews on Waylon because all this, all this shit like has surfaced up on YouTube that you just never would have thought like Waylon's playing some county fair somewhere and they just get him for six six and a half minutes while he's like smoking a, a cowboy killer and he's just got three rings on his one pinky and this <laughs> straight up a superhero dude like yeah i can't waylon might be musically probably one of my biggest influences i can hear a lot of a lot of his energy and what you do is that accurate yeah um i vocally too uh de definitely I, I kind of have that that lower register, uh, and we cover a lot of Waylon when we're doing those longer bar gigs, um, and yeah, 
Yeah. I, I, I hear a lot of that in, in your guitar playing, like, you know, on that, on that phaser stuff that you do a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. That's where that, a, a lot of that idea came from. There was a, uh, there's a live album called Wayland Live. That's what it is. We've got it on vinyl. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. You know, it on vinyl is, is a, is a wild thing. Like to hear how, just how good that band was and just how alive they were. And Waylon, mm-hmm. he's like a God almost. Like he doesn't even sound like a human the way he just delivers. It's how, how'd you yeah. go about being influenced by Waylon? Was that you just learning and singing along to his tracks? Um, well, I mean, it started when I was, oh, now I'll loop in the story I was going to tell you. Um, it started when I was a kid because my parents were super into, uh, old school country. Uh, my dad was, was big into, especially growing up like late seventies, early eighties, they were right down there in Florida. So you had all those bands coming out of Jacksonville, like Skinner and Molly Hatchet and, uh, like, uh, Blackfoot. You had the outlaws in Tampa, all that Southern rock stuff. Um, Almond brothers. Uh, so they were, they were really big into that stuff. And then, uh, my dad ended up getting into like the, the outlaw country stuff, the, the Hank Williams jr. The, uh, the Wayland, the Willie, all that, all that stuff, Johnny paycheck. Um, so I kind of grew up with that more classic country. Um, and I actually, one thing a lot of people don't know about me is that I went to Catholic school and, uh, Catholic school, they, you, you can't have your hair long. You got to have your hair, your freaking shirt tucked in hmm. collar has to be a certain way. Freaking can't wear a certain type of shoes. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, That's so, awesome the first thing I wanted to do when I went to high school was uh, grow my hair long. So that's what I did. I grew my hair long. I started listening to freaking Judas Priest and Iron Maiden and Slayer and Megadeth oh. and all, all that stuff. All, yeah. the, all the old heavy metal stuff. Um, and right about, like I was saying, I didn't, I didn't realize that I liked country music until I was like 14 or 15 and my Same voice here. changed. Oh, come on. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and I was like, man, I, I really can't sing Rob Halford or Bruce Dickinson very well. Mm. Uh, but I can definitely sing some Waylon and Merle and Johnny Cash. So I, I just kind of went that route and I got super into it. I mean, just all the stories behind the songs and like just how, how very, when you really delve into it, um, how incestual old Nashville was. I mean, not, not literally, well, sometimes, but uh, just like everything, everything was connected. Like everybody knew each other. It was really was a small town. And so like that, that golden age of Nashville, some really, really great music came out. Yeah. Oh, so what uh, golden age of Nashville are you, what does that mean to you? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm talking, I'm talking about, you know, from uh, like that, that, 50s through probably like the 70s like just the, the when it was about the song you know what i mean yeah and less about production yeah. yeah yeah well i mean there was some stuff in the 50s that was very much about production but um just the my main point really is just like looking at uh i just really went down the rabbit hole of country music and uh um, yeah yeah just all the all the different stories behind the songs and stuff I, i'm just a junkie for that shit uh, so right now there's a thing that's happening in country music. That's very 
crazy for me to see. Cause like when I got my start playing in town, there wasn't really like um a very large reaching Americana scene like there is now. Like the Americana Awards are on CMT. Mm-hmm. There's artists like, you know, they sell out the Ryman for Jason Isbell does like seven or eight nights of the Ryman. Like that wasn't a thing then. Yeah. I was watching all those cats play when I would go and see Sterles were playing like 2012 to like no one at the five spot. And yep. I discovered country around 2009. I think I was 14. I was around the same age as you. I didn't, my whole relationship with singing is very different than yours, but with guitar, it was just like, I was in very much so like from the front of it, man. And the Roberts where I was playing is actually where Willie Nelson bought trigger like in that room. So okay. it's like very like, I kind of just discovered this gold mine of music. That yeah. Really just so timeless and beautiful, man. Like, you know, listen to some of those, even like Don Gibson, you know, like those recordings have like uh, amazing guitar players, like Hank Garland on them. Like mm-hmm, he's, mm-hmm. He's sea of heartbreak, um, yeah. ribbon of darkness, like, or, or, or that might even be Marty Robbins, but even, you know, Marty Robbins too. It's like, you know, it, timeless songs like there's no way you can't not love those i feel like everyone kind of loves old country in, in at least in some respect in some little way yeah well it's and and some people like it and don't even know they like it because right uh, yeah you know the everybody says well i like everything yeah. but country and then right. i'll say well do you, do you like uh johnny cash yeah and they're like yeah and i'm like well he considered himself a country music singer I mean, Rockabilly kind of claimed him for a while, but he, it was, I mean, he was, he was a country singer. And they're like, well, I like him. I was like, well, then you like country music because if Johnny Cash isn't country, then I don't know what is. So I have a good friend of mine. Oh, uh, his name is Bill Miller. And Bill worked with Johnny Cash for like, uh, I, I want to say 25 plus years. And he was really good friends with him. And he ran, um, I think he ran part of Johnny's estate after, and he owns the um, Johnny Cash Museum in Nashville, um, the Sun Diner. And okay. um, he's he ran a Johnny Cash-based podcast, like uh, very much so into the world of Johnny Cash. And to, uh, to talk to him about how everyone across the world globally is in Johnny Cash, like how Live at Folsom Prison Blues had like very good album sales in Japan. It's like mm-hmm. all these things you wouldn't have expected. And man, I, I just recently, what that leads to is I just recently discovered um, Unearthed, the 2003 Rick Rubin, um, like American recordings. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Collection. And I, it's just where I'm at when, right now with my life and what I'm trying to do with music. It's hitting me in a way where Johnny Cash never quite hit me before. Because the way it was before was like, do you know Folsom Prison Blues? And like, do you know Big River? And do you know Tennessee Flat Top Box and Jackson, right? Because we were just playing popular cover songs. But I never really got into who he was as the the archetypal fucking hero that he is. And just, you, I don't know, man. That I can see why everyone loves Johnny Cash. It's like, yeah. there's so much truth. It's like, how does one human have that much truth in them? <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know if I if if I knew I'd I'd probably be a lot more successful musician. <laughs> what is what is your idea of success right now? Uh, right, because that honestly, that can change. But right now, honestly, for me, yeah. and and it has like like you were getting at it has given me a, a little bit more hope in the past you know uh, 
five, 10 years, just that this whole like underground kind of Americana, more traditional country feel, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Um, it's a pretty wide swath of people, but um, it's definitely getting more respect and recognition yeah. um, than it did before. Yeah. Um, it really is. So, you know, if you, if you asked me uh, when I was first starting out, I would have been like, you know what, if I can make a living and, you know, have a little life for myself and be self-sufficient and have a bus and tour around the country and I have a cult following and I end up like a, you know, whatever, like, like a Towns Van Zandt type figure. Like, if you, you know him if you're really into him, whatever. You don't want not to, to compare, my, not to compare myself uh, to Towns Van Zandt ever. But, oh, of course. Um, you don't but, want to uh, that sad either, man. That was a really hard way to go. That Towns Van Zandt. Yeah. That, that's not good. Yeah. You don't want yeah. that. Well, I'm not talking about the, all the bad stuff. I'm just talking about that kind of that level where you're in a niche, like people know oh, who yeah. you are, but like, I would have been totally fine with that. Now I'm kind of looking at like, people are starting to pay attention to this shit again now. So I think I kind of have a shot to at least, you know, do okay. You know, as far as, uh, you know, being able to make some money on this shit. I mean, all you need is, all you need is a couple good songs and you don't even need the freaking radio anymore because everybody listens to their music on, uh, Spotify and Apple and YouTube and all that shit. So and TikTok, <laughs> isn't that wild? I just made my TikTok. All I, right, I, good. That's all. Awesome. I held out for a little bit. I was like, nah. isn't this like for little kids? And then uh, I had a couple. I had a couple buddies go uh, viral, and I was like, huh, that seems like a really friendly algorithm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a shot. Oh wow, a friendly algorithm. That's very nice. Yeah. What a nice observation yeah. to have. That's a pretty playful yeah. observation. So um. Man, the thing about TikTok is wild because it's like, uh, it's like, it's very funny. Like either they like you or they don't. And there, there it is. Like, I feel like that's what the world's coming to now. Like with fans, like it doesn't matter if like, you, you know, uh, the people at a certain label weren't into what you were doing and, you know, they're not going to, you know, give you a huge advance and then put, you know, so you can put that all into marketing a, a single and like on a radio um, endeavor, right? And doing like a radio mm-hmm. tour around a, a, just a song and then an album release. And it's like, you don't really need to do that. Not saying that that's not cool. And I'd love to do that, you know, but you don't have to. Um, you could just put something out on TikTok and it really could pop, like pop and then you have leverage and then it's, it's your thing. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, man, that's beautiful. Uh, what are your... Uh, who are your friends that got viral? Uh, you know what? I couldn't even tell you because yeah. I met them at, uh, we, we did like four or five um, open mics around Nashville. And this was like a year ago. So they're all and Nashville guys. I was, I, was, I, I got to tell you, I was drunk at every one of them. <laughs> do you like playing drunk? I um, I... Singing drunk, I don't get how someone can sing drunk. I except Hank Jr. I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't say drunk. I would say I like to have maybe two beers before I go on stage. Does it? I find, man, if I am very nervous, um, alcohol will depress me just enough, like five percent. Not in like a depressing, like um. Well, I guess it would be like on a chemical level, but it just brings me down a little to where I can focus more. Not, um, not on the emotional level, just bringing your nerves down. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, that's that's kind of how I am. I was like, I was never the cool kid in school or I was never very outgoing. I've always been kind of an introvert. So that definitely, you know, am I going to slam back a six pack before I go play the first set? Hell no, because that'll be terrible. But uh, 
Yeah. Do do a beer too. That's, that's perfect right there. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so your idea of success, what, like, man, I really want to sell the run. Like that is my, that would be like, yeah. There you go. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, you don't need to sell it out. But but yeah, man, have you seen a sold-out show at the Ryman though? I've never seen a show at the Ryman. Oh my God. It is it is a transcendent building. It really is. And there's something about why why the sold out aspect adds a little flair to it. It's because it's like the building is so inviting. Like you want mm-hmm. the whole idea of music is that it invites the the people in their attention in or comedy or a good movie or anything that's alive. That's a piece of entertainment for you to consume, but that building is inviting. It's wild. And the way that it's constructed with the floors going from the b- floor level uh, to balcony level, the way that the line of sight goes to the stage, once you enter the room, it just commands that you focus on it. And there's yeah. been so much greatness made there. I have to think there's like a residue of just greatness lingering in the air there. And when a, a show is sold out, it's like a home team win and everyone feels like it's a sold out show. And that's just a, it's a timeless thing. I, I saw, uh, Foo Fighters there. Um, oh, fucking Sturgill Simpson, Jason Isbell, Grand Ole Opry a bunch of times too. It was way better there than it is in like the new Grand Ole Opry building, which is just way bigger and, and way nicer. Yeah. 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 Yeah, no. For me, the the opera is always going to be at the Ryman. I'm I'm when I play the Ryman, I'm just going to tell people that I played the Opry because <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, uh, no, but you you really hit on something there with like that's how I am. I've I've never seen a show there, but whenever I'm in Nashville, I always go walk around and do the tour thing. But um, I I find myself like trying to breathe in more of the air, like maybe. Maybe there'll be a little bit of like Roy Acuff, just just residue. Oh yeah, you know, get that some in some of that in my bloodstream. And, that Acuff um, Rose, man. There's, I mean, you want to talk about some of the best everlasting American songs? You're talking about yep. songs published under Acuff Rose. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what's and, the deal with uh with with what with what you think that is going on with you're talking about Americana's get more attention. And how does that relate to you? Do you think, is it that you're just discovering that there's an audience that, that digs what you do because you maybe thought that there wouldn't be a couple of years ago? Um, it's, that's exactly it. Um, I mean, I'm a fan of a lot of these guys and, and quite frankly, yeah. half of them, I mean, I don't know. Was it, was it Tyler Childers of the Americana awards? He got up there and he was like, yeah. I really appreciate this award, but I'm a country singer and I think Americana, I I'm paraphrasing, but he was basically saying that I think Americana is used by the, you know, country radio industry, whoever those gatekeepers are, um, to basically keep guys like us out of that world because they don't think we're, we're going to sell. So I appreciate the honor, but I consider myself a country singer. And I, I think Americana is just kind of a made up term in the last however many years. Oh, to, yeah. to exclude certain country singers. Oh yeah. So yeah. Well, um, I think there's some good news about that, which is I don't think the fans give a fuck what. Exactly. You know, it's like no, especially people in our generation, we're like totally anti-label. So it's like yeah, you know, on all it. things, good, good. on many things, man. It's it's yeah. very crazy to see that. It's we're also super that too. You know, it's like um, 
uh, I don't want to get into that train of thought, but you're very right on like <laughs> how we are anti-label because I know it's, that's, that's the way yeah. podcasting is. But uh-huh. he said, uh, he said this thing, of, he goes, frankly, it feels a lot like purgatory. I was there. Yeah. That's, I, I was nominated for an award that year too. And it was instrumentalist of the year. Uh, but Tyler, I think got artist of the year and he was dressed like Colonel Sanders. And so oh, yeah. like the guy just says, fuck it. And he just does it. And it's, it's awesome. I love him. I, I, he's one of my heroes. Um, but yeah, he goes, frankly, it feels a lot like purgatory, which as you know, and I bet a lot of people listening to that was the name of the album that he yep. had released. I hear that got him that award. <laughs> <laughs> so what a smart dude i think i think leaps like that pay off in like the five to ten year window like because mm-hmm. i'm a fan of life for him for saying that and then coming back out in the world of country squire and he got number one country record debut which it, it put luke combs to number two and it's like yep. which i i dig some luke combs i really do mm-hmm. um but it's like uh that's good tyler actually did it man that's a beautiful thing to see that happen um yeah, man, it's real. I think it's all the fans though that do it. The fans make that happen. It, it is, it is, and it's so cool to live in a time where like you don't have to be beholden to, you know, yeah. oh, I have to have the the right person show up when I'm playing at Roberts or whatever, and and I get yeah. discovered, and then I get signed to a big label, and then, uh, you know, whatever. You can literally just put out your own music, and if you get it in front of the right people that give a shit, you're yep. you're gonna be at least semi successful. I mean, you're going to be able to sustain yourself just playing music, which is all I've ever really wanted. I mean, I know that's what I want too. Yeah. So it's, it's been a tough go of it this year, but, uh, this year is a little depressing. Yeah. We, we were, we were actually lucky this year though. We got to work a lot more than some other bands because there's so many areas being out West here that, um, have such sparse population. I mean, you got, like right next door to us is Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, all those states. I mean, they were just like, I'm pretty sure some people didn't even know that there was a pandemic. I believe it, man. Literally, like they're just living the way they always do and everything was fine. We came back each time and I think we went on like three like month long runs. And um, each time we came back, uh, like we, yeah, we did August, September, and then October. Wow. Yeah all in that like inner West Midwest area. Um, but, uh, each time we came back, we all got tested for COVID and we all kept coming back negative. And I was like, Hey, you guys want to do another round of shows? They want us back. So we do another thing. Cause we were just tired of not working sitting on our ass for six months. So. Oh, yeah, that's real. My gosh. Like that's beautiful. In to a certain population of people, they're going to, uh, they're going to think that that was a valiant effort on your end. And, not not politically speaking at all, just speaking on a life level. Fuck yeah. Like that's what you should do. Like it's part of your right as a human is that you can go out and you can work and you can make your dream happen. If you go out and create the opportunities and you're talented enough to make it happen, don't let anyone stop you. It's beautiful. Yeah. And the people respect that. And that's a nice thing, man. I, I love that. That's awesome. I wish we had that. Uh, we didn't do that at all. We played no shows from like March to... September just played a couple live streams, which awesome, right? Really cool to interact with yeah. the technology and interact with, pe- you know, people that are um, consuming it in that medium, but it's not a show. It's not a show. And like, yeah, you know, people sometimes 
you know, my buddies, my buddies will get on there and text me after I'm done with the live stream and be like, Hey man, like you seem kind of off. Like when I, when I used to come see you at the pub or whatever, it was like, you were kind of into it. I'm like, dude, I'm like talking to a screen. I can't see anybody. It's how these zoom podcasts are in contrast to real human podcasts. Not, yeah. not bad though. Cause you're talking to a, a human. Like, so there's always mm-hmm. going to be a, a liveness there, but to have somebody's body language in the room and to have their, they're just they're literal energy. It changes the way a conversation can go. It changes the the whole the whole vibe of the thing. And man, with shows, it's it's the realest thing. Yeah, absolutely. So you mm-hmm. guys are playing uh, like a Wyoming, Montana, Idaho. Um, that's cool. Who comes out to those shows? Right, just a lot of ranchers, right? Just a lot of cowboys, basically local. Yeah, a lot of local people. I mean, um, and then. Uh, you know, there's there's a there's a ton of uh, fairs and rodeos to play out there. Oh, yeah. so it's, I mean, it's it's rural, man. It's just uh, it's just the the people from Montana and Wyoming and Idaho. It's okay. and they're they they decided at the state level that uh, you know, there's there's not that much tourism and there's not that many people coming here. So, um, and our numbers are really low. So we're we're still gonna have concerts and we 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 reap the benefits of that the best we could because, like I said. We just, uh, we got so tired of sitting on our butts, but yeah, uh, definitely, you know, definitely played some places that we wouldn't necessarily have gone, okay. uh, probably for, for less money than we normally would have taken. Yeah. Um, however, you know, this business, as you know, is all about relationships. So I think we made some lasting relationships and they're not going to forget that we came out there and did that. Um, you know, some of these, these bar and club owners and stuff, uh, during the, the, the hell that was 2020. So, um, you know, hopefully it'll turn into some, uh, some more shows and some word of mouth stuff and, and all that kind of, kind of deal. Long-term thinking. Yeah, man, that is yeah. absolutely the way that's absolutely one of the pillars of just common sense that, that makes sense to keep in your thought process because you can choose to then in contrast say, you know, Oh, I made, I didn't make, you know, this amount of money this year. And I, I didn't, um, you know, hit that, that main market three times. Like I was planning to, I didn't play mm-hmm. New York three times. It's like, okay. So it's like, it's, you got to look at the, the long term. It's about the seeds that you're sowing. That's beautiful. Yeah, man. Right on. Um, are you guys, you guys ever played Nashville? You haven't played anywhere in the South. Um, so when I'm in Nashville, I'll, uh, I'll play by myself. Uh, yeah. I haven't brought a band down there yet. I guess, I guess I could schedule shows with a band, but um, I've never really done the Nashville thing, so I wouldn't really even know how to go about that. I, uh, I've always played with my guys out West here. So, um, maybe it's me just being skittish because I was talking about how I like to have my band, but, uh, <laughs> um, I, I'm actually playing, gosh, what, what am I doing that? I'm playing, um, the whiskey bent on the 20th. Yeah. Just, man. My friend Bobby Johnson thing. owns the whiskey bent. He's a, he's a good friend of mine. Did, did you interact okay. with him at all? I didn't. Uh, my booking agent did did all that. Okay, but, uh, they've yeah. always had um, they've had a good foot in the door in bringing in out of town talent downtown on Broadway, and usually charging a, a cover charge, which is not the business model down there. It's the freemium, uh-huh. right? Like, like you can go yeah. and you can pay if you want, yeah. <laughs> right? But Bobby's is a astounding individual, man. When I so him and his, I believe it was him and his father opened up Whiskey Bent, and then they owned. A handful of venues took ownership of other ones that were already kind of established venues in town. And but Whiskey Bent stands strong. 
And uh, the day they opened, I was playing, it was CMA Fest, and I was busking outside just for tips. And Bobby, I was like 14 years old, 15 years old. He came up from behind me and he took my amp and he took my guitar case that had like hundreds of dollars in singles in it and he brought it inside. And I'm like, what's this man? This man's stealing my shit. Oh God, it's the worst. <laughs> He's this big, like six foot two bald, strong dude. And I'm like a 14 yeah. year old child. And my dad's like, hey, hey, what's going on here? And because uh, my dad uh, inspired me to, to go and start busking downtown and, and try to make a living at playing guitar very fast. And just what I was mm-hmm. doing, what was ever in my repertoire at the time. And uh, Bobby's like, no, I'm going to let him play on, on stage during switchover from these bands. And nice. we, that relationship has carried on to this year. Bobby uh, hired us for shows while they were reopening in November and December. And, you know, there were a couple of nights we were playing down there. Um, you know, so it was that 11 years later this year, uh, where there literally was no one that came in for the entire show for four mm-hmm. hours. You know, it's, it's a wild energy to, to, to play to an empty room. Did you guys experience any of that during the, Oh, that, dude, that? <laughs> uh, not, not necessarily during that because, um, you know, it's some of these places where you go, you don't get a lot of bands that do it professionally that come in. So if there's a band from out of town, you'll get a good crowd. Um, but at home first starting out, hell yeah. Yeah. I've played, I've played to so many empty bars, but it is what it is. It's part of, part of the story, part of the coming up process. Yeah, man, that's real. It really is. Yeah. Good. You have a good, pretty optimistic view about things. Do you think that comes from you saying that you're still a playful person and that, and that you kind of veer towards the younger side of perspective, or is that something you're trying to like practice that optimism? Uh, it's definitely, I don't know. It's probably a combination. I, everybody has good, good and bad days. Sometimes I'm Eeyore and sometimes I'm, uh, yeah, man. you know, always looking forward and trying to be optimistic. I've, I've, had, I've definitely had to work on that this year. Um, yeah. because it looked like, I mean, we had, you know, as you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of bookings just down the tubes. Um, so that was tough. It was a lot of thousands. Was that 4,000? Something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, uh, but, and it was just in the past, uh, year and a half, two years or so that I, I, I was a sheet metal worker by day. And then I was you know, playing shows and stuff yeah. around Pacific Northwest at night with the band. Mm. And I finally made that leap and said, you know what? I've saved up enough money. Fuck this construction shit. I'm going to go do what I want to do and, and make money. At it. And it. then like not, not six months later, everything gets shut down and, and nobody can play live. I'm like, Oh Fuck. my God, sir. So, That's so funny. It's terrible. Yeah. Are you familiar with but, the hero's journey? Yeah. Joseph Campbell. Yeah. There it is. You know, that's your call. And you know, yeah. that was the monster waiting for you for you to confront, you know. Again, it's the it's you can take any situation and make it in a, a uh an advantage. It's a variable that's going to determine your success, not handicap it. And you guys made that happen. That's that's very uh that's stellar. A common excuse I was hearing as to why people weren't going out and playing shows is they're like, um, you're gonna receive blowback on a social level. But I only saw that with like Chase Rice when they were just like, did you ever see those photos of like 
it was like Chris Jansen, Chase Rice. They played some festival and it was outside and there was no one wearing masks and they got all this blowback that was, on social. I think that was somewhere in Idaho. It was like somewhere in Northern Idaho. Okay. Maybe yeah. so. Yeah. Maybe I think so. I, I think I did hear about that. Maybe if you're a smaller artist though, that, that no one's going to care anyway. So you might as well go out and play. Like no one's going to care that you're playing a, a bar in Idaho. Uh, yeah. Well, and um, Whitey Morgan played um, Sturgis this year. That was the end. There was a big, there was yeah. a lot of, I know. mean, he's got a little bit more notoriety than he has in the past now. Um, cause he's more established, but, uh, I mean, I, I heard about it for like a week and then everybody forgot it was on to the next thing. So yeah. I wasn't really worried about it because like, you know, somebody complain, I'm going to be like, okay, well, do you even know who the fuck Robert Henry is? And the answer would be no. And mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, well then, you know, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> you're right that's real man that's cool um so you're coming to nashville in 10 days you guys are gonna plan on doing texas this year uh are you working on any new music what's what's going on right now uh so um back to uh the connections um i went out to we were touring through wyoming we stopped over in laramie mm. um i was gonna shoot with this youtube channel uh, called uh, Western as Fuck. I don't know if you've seen any of their stuff. On, yeah, I love on their shit. They're great. Um, but yeah, so I, I did my video shoot with them and then I got talking with those guys and um, uh, one of the guys, uh, Sean Hess, is a bartender at this bar. We ended up uh, picking up a couple impromptu shows at this uh, bar, the Roughed Up Duck in uh, Laramie, Wyoming. So it's a place, uh, but we had fun. Um <laughs> But uh, it's a play. Anyways, I got to talking with Sean, and uh, he actually took us out grouse hunting, and we were just talking music the whole day. And um, come to find out, I was like, "Well, where'd you do your album?" And he was like, "Because I'd listened to it, and I really liked the production value on it." I was like, "Did you go down to to you know L.A. or Austin or Nashville to do this?" And he was like, "No, man, I did it up the road in Laramie." So the plan is sometime this spring to go out to Laramie and to. Uh, go ahead and do our full record with uh uh prairie gold studios in laramie wyoming because i also <clears throat> cool i i like the idea of also like you know we we've been out west this whole time you know let's let's put out our first full length out west let's let's do the what the western thing and like we we also do kind of have like some bakersfield influence to our stuff too so let's just kind of like keep that theme going um, I hate when, you know, sometimes promoters will, uh, try and say like, Oh, he's a, he's a Nashville recording artist. He's from Nashville. It's like, no, I've never resided in Nashville. You know, I, I've, I've recorded a couple singles there, but like, I, I don't really have any, I go down there to do some business sometimes and that's pretty much it. Um, and you know, they'll put on a bill like, like Nashville recording act, Robert Henry band. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like we're not, we're from Oregon. Like, fuck that. Because like, I don't know, we, we're kind of proud of that. Yeah, so, you should be. Be proud of where you're from. That's real. That's the yeah. thing is um, YouTube says what needs to be said. Your content says what needs to be said, man. And that, that'll get it out. It is weird to see how promoters try to leverage parts of your identity that you might not agree with in order to gain a higher return on their investment. And you can, you know, if you empathize with them, you can see how that would work. And then... It's also the thing too, though, where it's you, it's your blood, sweat, and tears, it's your life. 
you don't want to sell your story the wrong way. You know, it's yeah. a weird yeah. negotiation that a lot of people might not think about um, when they just look at a marquee. But it's it's interesting to shed light on just for everyone who's listening that's not a, a touring musician. You, you would never think of that because most people would be like, oh, Nashville, that's not, that's not, you know, I don't give a fuck. I'm not from there. But they don't realize that that's actually saying a lot. There was a tour I was on with people, with an artist. I won't say their name. And it was before I started doing my own shows. I was trying figuring out what that is. And I saw on Facebook that I was getting billed as a performer at that show. Like, oh God. Facebook event. <laughs> and I'm like, what kind of fucked up promoter management relationship is going on right here where somebody is making money off my name and I'm people are selling tickets. I'm getting messages being like, when are you all playing tonight? It's like, Oh, I didn't even know I posted about this. And he's like, Oh, here's a Facebook event. And it's like Daniel Donato with X. It's like, I'm just playing guitar in your band and I'm getting paid a hundred dollars a day and sleeping on the floor. <laughs> like, Oh, if I'm going to get promoted, like I want to, you know, that's how the yeah. be. And man, it's a, it's a tricky thing figuring out how to, how to um, represent yourself and, and, and do all that. Do you have any management that you're working with right now? Or is it just your agent? Uh, just the booking agent. Um, I mean, the, the only thing I have as far as management is just basically myself. Your girlfriend uh, did. Your girlfriend hit me up. She's like, you gotta get Robert on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, she's been running the, the social media stuff. Um, and yeah, as now I don't really have a manager. I mean, my, my freaking dad, uh, handles like the business side of shit. She handles yeah. all the money, makes make sure I don't spend it all on uh, beer and cigarettes. So, <laughs> <That's great>. what, <laughs> what cigarettes and, do you smoke? And and guitars. Um, uh, I'm trying to quit, but um, Marlboro Reds. So, like, basically the oh, worst cigarette for you. The yeah. worst one. I was in yeah. Germany with my with my band in 2019 October, and I I never smoked. It wasn't my thing. But when we were in Germany, I smoked. The whole time, and it was only uh, it was only cowboy killers. That was all we would carry. Yeah, um, yeah. It was man. That is, it's a real thing. Like especially if you like, you don't smoke cigarettes a lot. You take a puff of a cigarette for a show. That gets you high. Like that nicotine buzz is. I don't know, but maybe because you smoke often, it might not hit you. But man, I, I was wired, sir. Playing some. Shows I remember. Early. I remember that feeling when it used to happen. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I'm talking about. <laughs> man that's yeah. cool uh so when did the, the works come out so everyone can get a get a vibe of that so in the works came out uh in right in works. conjunction right in conjunction with that first uh little uh like three week run that we did in august uh so it was like first week of august i think wait was it august 7th yes it was that's the day my record came out how funny oh no shit how funny is that that's really cool that's a little cosmic yeah, man, this is the one I listened to. This is the one you sent me. Yeah. Nice, man. Yeah, I think it was Usually Goes was the one that I have hearted. I'm looking at it. Nice, man. That's cool. You just put it out yourself. That's that's awesome. I can't wait to see what happens for you and um, to see what the year holds for you, man, and watch your story develop. I mean, you know, it's a beautiful thing. It's, you know, well, your talent is very real, so... You, thanks, man. Uh, that means a lot coming from you. Um, right on. Because you're pretty much like one of the best guitar players in the world right now. So, um, but uh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll definitely be around town. Uh, like I said, uh, I'll look up where you're, uh, where you're playing, and hopefully, 
if I'm playing downtown somewhere or, or in town somewhere, yeah. you can uh, come by and, and hear me too. Or yes, I, I, I'm doing a couple songwriters rounds out at scoreboard too. So I know you're busy, but no, I, I, that's why I'm here though, is for music to, to, yeah. to absorb it and learn it. Yeah. Let's write a song too. We'll get together here at the, the cottage, the cosmic cottage. I would, <laughs> I would love to write a song. Yeah. That'd be fun. Right on dude. One of my favorite activities. This was fun. Uh, Everyone go check it out in the works because it literally is in the works. The greatness is happening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, ha- happy New Year's, my friend. Stay safe and um, and all that. What was that hat you were wearing? What was that cow? What was was that Stetson you were wearing when you were at Roberts? Uh, I believe so. Yeah, I picked that up in a antique store, secondhand store in uh, yeah. in Portland. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, that's awesome. I wish I my head was shaped right for a hat like that very jealous oh do you ever wear a hat you know i wear we do um i do trucker caps sometimes um we're actually about to release like this cosmic country trucker cap i'm pretty excited about i tried a hat um it just didn't feel right didn't feel honest to me i maybe one day we'll see for you though it like looks like oh that dude wears that hat like there's no questioning i feel if you look at me it might not, they might be like, what the fuck's he doing with that step? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, it took me a while to get used to, but uh, you, you just got to find the right hat. But uh, anyways, before we go, do you mind if I uh, shout out the old social medias? Please. Yes. All right. So uh, we got robertherrymusic.com. Uh, you can pre-order a copy of um, our vinyl record in the works, our EP. Um, and those will be pressed pretty soon. There was a little bit of delay. Again, everything's fucked up because of COVID. Yep. Um, we got, uh, at Robert Henry music on uh, Instagram and we have uh Robert Henry band on Facebook. So yes, follow it, out. like it. Yep. Subscribe. We're, uh, we're probably the most active on Instagram. Um, so what about, yeah, and I do, I do live streams every Thursdays and I, I take requests. You know, we, I, I oh. play my own songs. I play like new stuff that I'm working on. And I play, uh, actually tonight at six, I'm going to do one 6 PM Pacific. So yeah, I know this won't air till later, but that's awesome. And you, you got on TikTok too, right? Uh, I did. So, yeah. um, yeah, I'll be doing that. I haven't, I haven't posted anything yet, but I, I'll probably go, uh, shave my face and try to get some content. <laughs> for <that right> now. <laughs> I wish I had to shave. I wish I had to shave. Dude, I barely have like patches. I don't know if you can see, but like, like part of it, it's like a baby. And then it's, it's kind of frustrating actually, because I'm, I'm, I'm so close to not being, have to sh- having to shave all the time, but I do. <laughs> cool, man. This was fun. This was fun. I'm glad we got, this to was really it. fun. Great talking It's the to you. first time I ever met somebody over a podcast in a way that wasn't, um, you know, like, uh, I not really known what you do aside from knowing that one piece of work, you know? So it's very cool. Everyone I've had on here, I've, I've kind of already known them as a person or I've, you know, watched interviews with them and I know all their records and I've been fans for years. And so it's cool to meet somebody who's in the same stage of life as I am still in our mid to late twenties out yep. there trying to grind and tell the story to the world and just be the best you that you can be. And find out what success means and and finding it and, and finding it in your life man so i'm glad we got to share this too with everyone who's listening it's the magic of a podcast yeah yeah man right uh, 
All right, y'all, it is a journey. Keep this in mind and use the free tools that are readily available to you at any given moment to stay patient, persistent, and positive in order to enhance this journey and get the most that you can out of it and leave nothing on the table. Follow what comes to you so you can work the hardest at it with the most amount of love and truth in your system and it'll last longer. Very excited to go and cut this new record for y'all. Very excited to see what comes from this new mentality they have and how that affects the music. In the meantime, go ahead and follow and subscribe to us on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, patreon.com at Daniel Donato, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all the places. But most importantly, oh my gosh, most importantly, DanielDonato.com, Cosmic Country Club. That is where it all happens first. I can't even tell you, but it's going to be special. Y'all subscribe. It's free. Talk to y'all later.